0: Art Supply Posse. I don't remember how I discovered today's guest, although I'm sure it was scrolling on the good old internet, but I am so glad that I did. His artwork stops me in my tracks, mesmerising in their appearance, and I honestly could look at them for hours and still wonder if I've actually seen it all. Hello, Josh. Welcome to the Art Supply Posse.
1: Hey, thanks thanks for having
0: me, Kim. My pleasure, my absolute pleasure. So let's dive straight in with the biggest question of all, <laughs> which is <laughs> who is, which is who is Josh DeGraff?
1: So I'm a photographic manipulation artist. Um, I'm trained as a photographer. Basically, I go exploring with my camera. That'll usually be like I'll go hiking somewhere, and I'll shoot a bunch of material, um, and then I will take that and re reform whatever that material is into other things. So at Mm -hmm. the moment, or the project I've been working on for the last few years um, is a body of work called terraform where Mm -hmm. I take a reference image of an animal and I pair that animal with a secondary material. So it's usually images from that animal's habitat. And then I will go to recreate The form of that animal with those other textures. So that could be like a bird made out of leaves, just like noticing that leaves often have a similar shape and form to feathers. Or it might be I'll take like uh, images of a landscape um, and play with a a, like at a macro scale, making bushland look like fur, for example. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, like uh, like my background is in um, is in commercial illustration. Making images for like advertising magazines that kind of thing, and this is my work is that skill set applied to my personal art basically
0: so how did how did photography come to be your passion and like and why photography do you think um,
1: that's a trick oh so that's a trick so I, I I studied a double in graphic design and photography mm-hmm. i don't know oh I, I, I don't know if i' i would say Photography is in and of itself is actually my passion. Um, it's more the image making. Mm-hmm. Uh, so photography is sort of a, is a tool in like a tool in the kit um, to use. It's probably the best way to put that. It's the, my, my passion is, pr- is really the, the Photoshop work, I guess, where it's mm-hmm. the ma- manipulation and creation of something else from that material. Um, so
0: then, how did that like? Yeah, it does. So how how like how did you discover Photoshop or photo manipulating, and then like why why do you think it has captured you in the way that it has?
1: <laughs> so I started <laughs> out studying um, architecture, um, and in my second year of architecture, I took a graphic design elective, um, which introduced me to Photoshop and like the Adobe suite. Um, and that, that was sort of the end of that. I just found it a lot more engaging and a lot more gratifying, I guess, where, where architecture is, is a real slow burn. Um, mm-hmm. By the end, whereas I, I felt much more stimulated by that kind of more hands-on process or direct process. And yeah, by the end of my, that semester, I was spending way more time in Photoshop than I was on my coursework. And, um, yeah, I just decided it was time for a career change.
0: So were you able um, to study, like, or change your degree and, and study? Like, how, did, how does that work? Like, mid, midway through doing one degree, how do you go, oh, no, this isn't for me anymore? Like, what, what's that like?
1: Um, it's, it's easier than you might think uh, because the, the subjects have a lot of crossover um, and so I was able to get credit for for different um, like get credit for some of my like the architecture units to apply apply for what ended up being um, my undergrads are like a ba- a bachelor in uh, new media arts. Um, so it was actually pretty straightforward, actually.
0: Yeah, i just I just find it interesting, and, and I think it's a, it's a good thing, I suppose. Like in in some way, you can go, oh, well, you did 12 months of something, and it wasn't quite right, but you then found. The thing that was right, and you may not necessarily have come to it without that first yeah. year. You know what I mean?
1: Oh, absolutely. Well, and also, like uh, in high school, like so, this is all like in high school. Um, like my <laughs> my um, my best subject was engineering, but my favourite subject was far far and away was art. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like seventeen-year-old Josh thought that, oh, yeah, what brings those two things together? Architecture, um, and yeah. then. <laughs> <laughs> and that started that adventure. Um, I guess it's all kind of the absurdity of like the t- you're the teenage version of yourself deciding where your life is going to go. Um, like, yeah, I'm it's kind of mid- crazy.
0: It's a lot of I'm pressure mid- to put on a teenager, isn't it?
1: <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but all, like, I'm in my mid-thirties now, and like the idea of a teenager choosing what where where like what I do with my life is a little bit absurd. But
0: it is yeah. Anyway, bizarre. it is bizarre. <laughs> it's but, a, hey, it's look a journey. We are now. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. So you 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 touched on it. So let's go straight there, which is the terraform work, because that's mm-hmm. that's what I in the introduction. That's what I honestly I could look at those images for ever. They're just so incredible and so detailed. And of course, doing my research and stuff, I've I've seen and read how long some of these take. You like. Mm-hmm. Let's sort of talk through. You know, is it a is it a you see you see something first? You see a landscape, or you see what what, it, what comes first, the animal or the landscape? Uh, these
1: these days, it's usual. So when I started the series, it was the landscape, mm-hmm. um, and like a lot of them, a lot of them came about. The the core concept just kind of comes around from like daydreaming um and just like observing that a certain so like the very first piece in the series um is an elephant and mm-hmm. the i the idea for that came from looking through shots that i'd taken years ago in the swiss alps and just had the i had the observation that a lot of the rock formations kind of looked like the wrinkled skin of an elephant and the idea was sort of as simple as how cool would be if I an entire elephant out of out of mountains um as I've gone on, though, I've been looking to explore particular more like ecological issues um, and, and add another layer to the work, where the work started out as being pretty playful. Now, um, I make, I like um, so like um, a few years ago, I did a piece that um, after the 2019 fire season, that was um, in response to the news that koalas were projected to become extinct in the wild in the next few years. And so I made a piece that was. I, I travelled out to, and so like, so I wanted to make something around that particular issue in that particular, and as a response to that news. So I travelled out to East Gippsland, um, where the fires were here in Victoria, um, and and like just went um, hiking through that was um, Snowy Mountain National Park, um, that had just been ripped through by the fires that year. And yeah, I just kind of went hiking through there, <laughs> um, much to the uh, the anxiety of my partner, who was <laughs> very, underst- um, very understanding. Very um, understanding. Yeah, uh, and, and shot photos of, the, of of those burnt out landscapes, and then brought that and then brought all that back to the studio and shaped that into the, in that that le- those landscapes into the koalas. So yeah. <laughs> It's, How do you sort of? Yeah, well,
0: you're right, guys. Sorry, uh, no, you're uh, yeah,
1: yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like I just, I guess, like I'd, I'd made the those fit those first maybe ten or so pieces, more or ten to fifteen pieces, just be, like just doing it for the joy of it and the fun of it, um, and yeah, I just kind of realized I'd unintentionally created something that could be a kind of an interesting vehicle for discussing um, and and bringing awareness to certain ecological issues. Um, yeah, that's, that's something of... Of... I've
0: felt. I've definitely mm. felt that looking at um, particularly the one that sticks in my mind is the um, – I can't remember which particular type of bird it is, but the bird with – it, it, is it flames that are near it or am I getting images confused now? Um, no, no, that's there, the, that's the its one head? that's the
1: – yeah, that's a gang-gang cockatoo.
0: Yeah, 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 that's definitely – I think it's an interesting way of making people think about things like, yeah, yeah, you know, the environment.
1: Yeah, well, like if I can make something like the objective these days is usually, if I can make something that's both beautiful but also conveys that kind of grim message, um, I think it's sort of a job well done. Like so much of the news that we hear around like around climate change and um, species extinction it just gets pretty oppressive and pretty grim. Like there's just like in the scale of it, it just causes people to shut off and try to ignore it sometimes. Um, but if I can make something that people actually want to look at while also taking on board some of that stuff and maybe even bring that to the way they like, they approach their lives and make them care about certain things. then Yeah. That's the idea well, I anyway.
0: Think the, I think the other thing too is, uh, with with you know just talking about news and and climate change and stuff it's so very like it doesn't it's it's a concept that doesn't necessarily sort of if it doesn't impact you directly like if it's something you can't necessarily see it's a lot harder to for some people to grasp and to realize how big mm. a deal it is whereas if you've got an image of you know the landscape and the animal, and and it's there and it's beautiful, but it's also got some deeper, darker thing to it. I think that probably could reach a whole lot of other people that may not necessarily have been reached without it. If that makes kind of any sense.
1: No, absolutely, absolutely, yeah, like one hundred percent. Yeah, <laughs> try and make it a bit. I'll try and make it a bit more digestible, because yeah. and and like cuz often like if you're learning about this news and reaching this news then it's or chances are it's already something you care about yeah but like if i can exhibit my work in more accessible places or exhibit it in places where other audiences other audiences might go um to like art fairs and things like that then yeah and i have like um that sort of my, like my bread and butter is, these days is exhibiting it at, at fairs um And, yeah, some of the conversations I have with with people um, during those days and, like, yeah, it's gratifying, also a little bit scary how much of this Mm. is happening that people just don't know about. Um, Yeah.
0: (laughs) So the exhibiting work, is that, like, is that a, um, I mean, it must be such a, it must be a different, whole different thing like so you've done the, you've done and I feel like I'm jumping all over the place but like is it like (laughs) is it like getting out there and obviously where sales is a big a part of it I would imagine but is it Mm -hmm. also just like getting getting the work known and getting the environmental side of it known as well like like is it yeah is what's it like kind of thing I guess
1: Oh yeah, like so it 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 all runs side by side. Like the so the work, the, each piece is like a lot of work to create, like not including the shooting time. There's like anywhere between the thirty and eighty hours in each piece. So I need to pay for it somehow. Um, <laughs> um, and I found, yeah, like those like those kinds of fares are a good way to do that, just because the the number of people that go through them. Like the bigger ones might have ten to twenty thousand people through over a weekend, um, and like I'm never going to get back at those kinds of numbers of people showing up at, at a solo exhibition. Um, at least, yeah, uh, not at the kinds of not at the kinds of galleries that I'm able to get into at this, at this point uh, in my career. But uh, yeah, and like I, it is kind of gratifying to me being able to watch like exhibiting. I enjoy. Like, as a, an experience in its own right, um, just watching people respond to things and as a learning experience as well, for like watching how what works and what doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes, just like, so, like, the that piece that I made that I mentioned before about the koalas made from the burnt out bushland that's comfortably one of my favorite things I've ever made. Just because when I've exhibited it, particularly in large format, sometimes people will just like s- sit there looking at it. And just start crying, just because that the kind of emotional connection they feel to it. And as an artist, being able to make someone feel something that strongly, um, even if it's a negative experience, is just so gratifying. Um, <laughs> and if I can do, create more of that, like I mean, I just I sat around for a week and Photoshop something, and I made made some people cry. Like that's I, don't know, I find that an incredibly it all makes it all feel pretty worthwhile. Um, if yeah, I can well, make people feel something.
0: It says you've reached them in some on some level.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And like, I never got that kind of satisfaction from doing using the skill set in a com- in a commercial sense. Um, it'll where like, it always felt a bit um, disposable, and <laughs> um, I, I often joke. Oh, and um, that like my whole art career is basically just an ongoing scheme to get people to pay me to, to, to go adventuring with my camera and Photoshopping stuff. But really it's more a scheme to, um, to hopefully never have to look at an ad agency brief ever again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just because I just fell out of love with the work and uh, yeah, because I just don't get that same level of stimulation from the work.
0: Yeah. So I'm actually wondering: Has anyone from, say, the environment that you know, where you've where you've taken photographs, has anyone come to you and said, "This is my not necessarily my backyard as such, but you know, my town, my this is where I live," and it mm-hmm. feels even different seeing it like that. Like, has that ever actually happened?
1: Oh, absolutely um particularly um actually a couple of months ago so that um so that that piece you mentioned before the gang gang cockatoo um mm. so gang gangs are a, are a species of of black cockatoo but they they have these distinctive or like orange fiery orange the males have distinctive fiery orange crests and so that piece is the a gang gang made the bottom, the lower darker part of the gang gang is made from photos of burnt leaves that I've taken. So basically I just I put a whole bunch of leaves in a fireplace um, or a campfire, sorry, and photographed them as they burned. And then the fire, that orange crest, the fiery orange crest is is made from actual burning leaves. Those gang gang cockatoos are, um, so they're native all up and down the Southeast coast of Australia but it used to be that their their primary populations were around Canberra. And that, like I said, they're on the crest of the ACT. Um, uh, and like they used to be ubiquitous there, but their numbers have plummeted by over 70% in, about in the last um, 20 25 years. And I exhibited it in Canberra for the first time um, a couple of months ago and just, because people in Can a lot of people in Canberra feel a much a pretty strong connection with them. Mm-hmm. Just watching them response like they because there was a real sense I guess what I'm trying to say is there's a real there was a strong sense of place to that to that piece. Um and yeah, seeing like a local icon in a state of distress like that really kind of got to people. Um and yeah, they really felt a strong connection to it. I don't think – I haven't had anyone from the place where I've actually shot the material approach me yet, but um, it's, it's more about people feel a connection with – more feel more of a sense of connection to the animal itself. If, yeah. If that makes sense, the overall yeah, thing.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, it does. It does. I, I suppose, too, it's a, an easier thing to recognise of it all, you know, the actual animal as such. And people have mm. favourites and all those sorts of things and, you know. Oh, of course, yeah.
1: Well, again, yeah, generally generally speaking, if if someone buys my work, it's because they feel a, piece, a sense of connection with a, the animal being portrayed um, in so, one way or another. Like it's their favourite animal or, yeah, something about it speaks – something they feel some kind of connection with it.
0: So it does take you – hours upon hours to make these pieces, which which in some ways blows me in a w- away and in other ways it's like, well, I mean, it's no different to spending 20, 30 hours on a painting either. It's it's all the same. Absolutely. But mm-hmm. do you, I guess in a way because it's a screen, it does have that slightly different aspect of um, everything that goes with a screen as in, you know, uh, straining the eyes and those sorts of things. Is mm-hmm. that something you kind of are conscious of when you're working? Like, do you find yourself having to get up and walk away, or can you just sit there for hours? Because I, I just, I'm always curious when someone does spend a big amount of time on their work. You know,
1: mm-hmm.
0: what that does to them physically.
1: No, I generally don't find it. It's a problem. I guess it's sort of a skill set, like a, a particular kind of skill, like up my for most of my career. Um. Like I've been spending a lot of time at my, at my screen one way or another, but it also gets broken up. Like when I go out and shoot material, um, like, so right now I'm working on a piece that's, uh, material that I shot in, ta- in Tassie a couple of weeks ago. Um, so that gets broken up. Um, I do get to, to a stage though. Actually I'm in that stage right now today. Um where I'm getting towards the end of the creation of a piece. And so much of my day is just cleaning up small details and fixing bits of lighting and things like that. And also just cause there's so many layers, like there's maybe 1500 layers in this Photoshop document I'm working on right now. So my computer's starting to starting to feel the weight of that. And <laughs> like, I'll do a thing and now I have to wait a few seconds. Sometimes I have to wait a second or two before it actually responds. Um, yeah and on those kinds of days it can be a bit woof um, <laughs> and like I have to I struggle to um, stop myself from well stop myself from distracting myself um, <laughs> or procrastinating yeah so like uh, a lot of the, particularly the early parts of the process I find a lot of fun because I'm just like slapping down elements as and like putting things together and it's kind of like building things with lego lego blocks um and, I've, like, that's – I find that a lot of fun. But the inevitably, yeah, the, the final cleanup to make everything look cohesive and give it a high level of polish is a, can be a real grind. <laughs> um, and, yeah, and the problem is more – yeah, yeah, yeah. And it becomes a problem to look at the screen for large periods of time.
0: <laughs> if you're anything like me, that would be then when you have to walk away so you don't want to throw the computer out the window because – I get that way yep. sometimes. I'm like, mm, enough of you."
1: <laughs> yep, I, I have. Yep, I have had that. <laughs> Thankfully, it's so, been
0: a while. <laughs> that that initial process that that, as you say, slapping down layers and working it out. Do, do mm-hmm. you find because now that you've made multiples of these, is it easier to work out what fits within a shape, or is it still sort of a lot of it <laughs> playing by ear and trying to work out what works.
1: Yeah. Like, so a lot of it is practice. Like, uh, like I, I, I get a sense pretty quickly for what what's going to work in different parts of the image. So, like, so I work over the top of a reference image of the animal that I want to make. Um, and with practice, I, get a, I can get a strong sense for – because I need to find the right angles – of different pieces, like so. If I'm putting down a leaf to be a feather, I need to have the correct angle of the of the shot of the leaf to make it fit that that particular part of the animal's anatomy. And I'll and like I've over time I've developed a, pr- a pretty strong intuitive sense for that angle and for does it have the right lighting? Um, because if I can, so the key to making these like the images the image look cohesive is trying to get the lighting correct in the camera and shoot it with the right lighting instead of trying to fake that lighting and, and have to Photoshop Photoshop it heavily later on, if that makes any sense.
0: Yeah.
1: Because, um, like, intuitively, um, I think my, my kind of theory of it is that most people... On like we, so as humans, we spend all, all day, every day looking at things, and when when and if we if we see something that's been like faked or photoshopped, on some level, we'll know that. Like it will just like we'll get we'll have a sense that it just doesn't look quite right. Um. And yeah, if I can avoid doing that kind of fake Photoshop lighting as much as possible, I get a much stronger result. Um. Yeah.
0: How it's many a, photos are you having to take, like, for each different one? Uh, like-
1: that, that varies a lot. Um, like, so for the most of them, it'll just be, be me bushwalking somewhere with my camera. Um, and if I'm, like, on, on a trip somewhere, um, for like, if I'm just doing it as part of a work trip or as a, as a holiday or something, then I might be – that might happen over a couple of days. And, like, I'll just snap away at anything that looks interesting. And so I might have a library of a few thousand shots by the end of that. Um, Other pieces, it's different though. Like um, I made a piece a few months ago of um, a a series of marine creatures uh, made from, and the material I used to make them was like uh, images of melting ice and oil that I shot in studio. Mm. Um, And because I knew exactly what I was going for and what angles I needed I didn't need that many shots, um, so for that there was only I only needed to really get maybe two or three hundred shots um, to pick pick uh, to go and then ten around and pick through. Um, yeah, because often I won't, like when I'm if I'm bushwalking for the material. Often I won't really know exactly what I'm going to make, um, so a lot of it is just shooting as many different, um, getting as many shots of different things. Um, ideally in sort of soft lighting as possible so that I have as many options as possible to play with later on. Yeah, because sometimes the the animal that I make might be something I'll shoot while I'm out and about um, or I'll learn about later, which is what's happened in, in the image I'm working on right now, which is a, made in like it's a, a Tasmanian masked owl, which I didn't know existed until maybe two weeks ago. Yeah, if yeah. That,
0: me neither. Um, I,
1: I just learnt now. are <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, so, well, they're so they're endangered, um, and they're native to the the western and northwestern areas of Tasmania. Um, and part of the reason why they're endangered is um, basically as a result of logging, because they rely on old growth uh, for uh, bushland for for their nest. Um, yeah, so. I like yeah, a lot of like I yeah when I'm traveling around somewhere I'll, I'll learn about um, the different wildlife in those areas and kind of figure it out as I go sometimes.
0: So with those, getting back to actually those um, the marine images because they're in they're incredible. I well I mean all of it is I love I love it all but that they were they hit me on a different level and I guess part of it to be honest with you I think part of it was the fact that you have made the effects of of the, you know, the oil yourself. Like, Mm -hmm. there's just something about that that I don't know why it sort of caught me. How did you come up with the idea of doing that?
1: Um, Actually, that was was interesting. I was approached by someone um, from the Australian Marine Conservation Society Um, and she was asking me basically if I could produce some more work in that kind of field, like more marine-themed work. Um, they So the Conservation Society was working on a campaign at the time to stop um, a proposal for what's known as seismic blasting. Have you ever heard of that before?
0: Yeah, I've, I have actually. I think something tells me that seeing that on Instagram, I've signed up for their campaign campaign because i know i'm getting their emails but yeah i've been reading about that and it just honestly oh gosh oh we do shake our heads sometimes um and this is not a political podcast but oh my goodness me really (laughs) 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 really australia what are we doing what are we doing
1: (laughs) yep (laughs) oh yeah that's like so it's just for your listeners it's probably like one of the most destructive practices i've come across so far um it's uh the first step sometimes in drilling for oil underneath the ocean so they they mount a basically mount a ship an air gun a lot massive air gun to the side of a ship and blast down at the sea floor um to break it up as the first stage for drilling through it um, and it's catastrophically damaging both as a ha- as as habitat but also as um for any creatures any sea life that re- that relies on on sound so prime example, whales. Um, It's deafening for them and it causes them enormous pain. Um, And like it's been off the coast of WA, it's been known to cause mass beaching events for whales. Um, Yeah, anyway. So learning about all that. Um, uh, Yeah, the campaign, uh, so the person who reached out to me is Louise Morris. Um, She's one of their campaign managers and like when she told me about this and some of the other stuff that we're up to it, yep, she <laughs> she made a convert out of me pretty quickly, um, and yeah. So I wanted to make something about around sea creatures, but also I had this other this other key element of oil, and then that brought me around to this idea of how like I could make sea creatures. So in this case, orcas and fairy penguins, um, where all of the the darker all the black elements of of the animal are made with oil. And then the lighter parts of the animal's anatomy are made from ice, um, tying this all in with the climate, climate change thing with the, the polar caps melting. Um, yeah, that was the kind of the core. Every piece that I make has to have some kind of core visual concept, um, like to make the whole thing work. It's like a simple, like a, that kind of visual premise. Um, like as mentioned before, like leaves have a similar shape to feathers. So yeah. that's like like an like something like that working from there.
0: Is um, it difficult to work with ice it must be surely.
1: <laughs> no, it's pretty like because I I well, I I only need to like I'm not sculpting an writing thing I am yeah. just sna- I am snapping a moment in time. Um it it is it can be difficult um with anything that that's highly reflective. Um like, and ice can be very reflective. Um, Mm -hmm. And and also because there's a certain amount of transparency to ice as well. So I have to navigate that and make, still make the image look compelling. Um, Yeah. It's a, another one in that series was, um, was a, a, like a fish made uh, out of images of like oily bubbles, um, where the bubbles are like the scales of a fish. Um, kind of a problem I encountered with that one that I haven't encountered anywhere else is that, um, so I had, I set up in studio and I, I have I had my, like, I was basically blowing bubbles under, under a softbox light with my camera set off a few meters away. And I've, and I've gotten my hand, like a phone up to basically trigger the camera remotely. Um, and all of the bubbles that I photographed, my reflection is in all of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, so, like, yep. Yeah, so, th- like, so hundreds of bubbles that I had. Like, I, I started out by when I started the project, I was removing myself from them, but in the end, I decided not to do it. Just as, like, yep, yeah, okay, this is going to be my signature on the piece. That's going to be, yep,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, for your sanity' sake.
1: <laughs> yes, but like, yeah, I don't know. Like, it's also like. Um, Something that's been on my mind a lot this year has been AI.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it, Like, and being able to include something like that in the image, just as like my own personal signature is sort of appealing. Um, Cause some of the pieces, particularly that piece of the fish is the kind of image that might, that someone might be able to create fairly easily with AI if they wanted to. Um, uh, yeah. So, it's a tricky one. Um,
0: mm.
1: Yeah, AI has S- kind of become like as a digital artist. It's kind of become a big part of the conversation, like and yeah. the conversation I have with a lot of other digital medium artists as well. It's a uh, really yeah. It's a big part of the space at the moment.
0: Absolutely, and it, it brings so many so many things to the table. You know, like there's already the thought among certain parts of the population that you know, artists shouldn't be paid, you know, and you're like, and then so they you know, I can imagine those sort of people, especially if you're dealing with commercial-type situations,
1: mm-hmm. would be
0: um, loving AI because if they don't have to pay a person, then it's got to be, in their mind, better for the, you know, for their budget, but mm-hmm. there's so much about that that just doesn't really work to reality.
1: Well, that's kind of changing like um it's and so we are starting to see like um like uh, we are starting to see um the, our response and the le- the law the legal stuff around it maturing yeah. um so i was speaking to a um a creative director at an agency um who i had who I'd done some work with in the past but like um and that that agency has basically turned around and, and basically they're not they aren't allowed to use AI in their uh, in their client work now, um, basic because the work can't be trademarked or copyrighted. Um, that's come out that like and that some of that is some of the legal develop like the like legal developments in different countries around the world, particularly in the states. This uh, this happened maybe two months ago. Um, so uh, yeah we'll see but it is yeah my yeah, work in, like my work in particular for like the client side stuff is particularly prone to being filled by 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 AI because yeah. my work is pretty t- is very, so time intensive to create it has to be expensive to cover that, that amount of time um, and so yeah like uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of people, a lot of agencies will just will use AI to create something for five or ten percent of the cost in house um, to get something that's seventy or eighty percent as good instead of paying a pretty large amount of money sometimes to get the hundred uh, percent result. If that makes any sense, it's a- yeah,
0: it does. Are, are you doing much commercial work anymore, or, or are you able to um, sustain yourself as such with with your personal
1: stuff much less than i used to um some of that like and yeah this year i haven't had nearly as much client work um but like at the same time like a lot of that void's being filled with uh, with what i'm able to make from the art um mm. and i'm okay with that um that was that's always yeah. kind of been the long-term goal um uh, yeah that's a but it like it is it is a little bit disheartening to watch like i don't i there i can count on one hand the fr- the freelance creatives in my network who are having a, a good year this year um some of that is ai some of it's also just this the general down like economic downturn we've seen this year um but yeah Anyway,
0: <laughs> no, that's, yeah. There's, a, but there's a lot. I think this is the, the interesting thing is there's a lot more to to it than you would necessarily think about. Like when you, you know, if you're scrolling through Instagram and you're looking at various art artists you follow, or just you know, art hashtags or whatever, and you're seeing all this glorious art, mm-hmm. I don't know. There's, a, I don't know how often people stop to think about the person behind it, and you know they're that. Tr- a lot of them, not everyone, and you're not not saying everyone has to, but there are a lot of people who want to make a living from their art. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot that goes on that I don't think a lot of people realise necessarily. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I Like it's – so I guess there's two things there. Like I think people are becoming more aware about and learning more about how to identify AI-generated imagery. Mm-hmm. But it, like in my experience, people are much more discerning about it when they're looking to buy art, buy art. Um, it's something like they care. They like they generally want that that authenticity. Um, generally speaking, um, there's not too many artists I'm aware of who have actually been able to make much money from AI generated art um ai as in that that's appearing in some of the tools we use is a different story um there are ai based and machine machine learning based tools that are working their way into photoshop for example um that are becoming quite prolific and like that's a use that i think is fair and valid um So, like some of that. So, what I mean by that is, like, some of the tools that I might might use to remove um, mistakes or aberrations in an image, I can select part of an image and then just tell Photoshop to to fill that with whatever it thinks should be there, um, as opposed to generating something that's based on a database of other artists' work that's been used without their permission. Um, Yeah, it's a. It's an evolving landscape. Sure, um, and, I think, yes. um, and, I, and I think long-term, we're going to start seeing, yeah, maturing responses to that. But it does leave me, like, it is a little bit concerning the speed at which that technology is evolving. Um, yeah, I have no idea where it's going to go and what the, the endpoint's going to look like. And... Like as a digital artist, it is something I, I worry about quite a bit.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely, absolutely. It's one thing to 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 be a painter and uh, you know have the thought of AI, but it, it's completely different if you're working digitally. Um, mm. Yeah, I imagine it must be completely different. So, do you? I'm just curious to know. Uh, do you I mean you've said you, with for example with the the um, the marine work that was someone reached out to you mm-hmm. do, do you know where you're going? Next, with that, or is it just you know, it's just led by whatever you see on your walks, by by your excursions, as to what animal and what landscape is going to be the next sort of thing. Like, is there any kind of planning? I guess is what that was a very long way of getting to. <laughs> Do you, <laughs> yep. um or yeah, is yeah, it you, well, spontaneous? <laughs>
1: um, in both sometimes are going to think in going to make something with it with a very clear plan. Um, like respond responding to either. So, in that case, like, um, Louise gave me uh, basically asked me to create something to support that campaign. And, like, yep, okay, I basically put my um, put the commercial art hat on for a bit and just thought through that and basically developed a brief for myself. And that all, and I basically worked up the plan from there. Um, and some of them, yeah, I just. The result of exploration and learning about things and finding things and sometimes in discovering animals um, that I've never seen before. Um, a good example of that is: um, Are you f- familiar at all with a with? Um, oh, I think that, uh, with pink robins. No, they're a gorgeous little bird. They're tiny. They're robins. and they're, they're native to the they're only native to parts of the Southern coast of Victoria. Oh, cool. Um, and I didn't, I did not know they existed until I encountered one in person for the first time. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I would not, I would not have made one without knowing, without knowing about that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Whereas others, i mean, others are other ones that are made of like much more iconic animals, koalas, wallabies, that kind of thing. And they're just everywhere. Um, Yeah, so it goes both ways. Um, Yeah, sometimes just yeah, having a bit of fun. Other times, yeah, I want to make something with with a very specific concept in mind. Um, Yeah. Oh, and actually, uh, sorry. Sorry.
0: No, I was just going to say photographing pink robins, or just a robin in general, because I know they're not very big. That must be a whole other Hmm. level of of um, experimenting and fun.
1: Uh, yes, it is fun, but I would say, more than anything I would say, like. So I am not like a. I would never, never really rate myself as a wildlife photographer. Um, all of the nice shots that I've ever gotten of wildlife are ba- essentially luck. <laughs> um, but that's <laughs> that's a matter of putting myself out there in the right place where that luck can happen. I guess. Um, yeah. <laughs> I have a lot of respect for for people that do that as a serious hobby or even as a profession. Um, there is a lot, lot, of, a lot more skill to it than you might think, and a lot of research yeah. involved too, in terms of because often it's a matter of uh, being in the right place at the right time of day to be able to encounter these things, to encounter these animals. Um, but that's also – like yeah that that, and that kind of exploration and and, and like having those encounters. And, um, and discovering things that you wouldn't otherwise is kind of part of the fun of it. It's kind of what I enjoy about it.
0: That's have a- you ever – do you have the capacity or the ability to photograph anything in your backyard? Like, I'm looking around me. I'm lucky enough to be on an acre. We get lots of <laughs> parrots around here. In fact, we keep we keep weeds and things specifically that they, they love, uh, which mm-hmm. is just – glorious you know hearing them and seeing them do you have that ability as well have you got you know on your doorstep so to speak um critters that you can take photos of
1: i don't <laughs> uh, right now uh right now we live in in a melbourne in richmond
0: okay yeah <laughs> um great for coffee but, but not for yeah
1: not so much no uh, but <laughs> i'm we're actually we're looking to change that right now now that you mention it we're probably going to move to to hobart in the new year Oh, um, nice. Lots so of good animals there. Oh, amazing. Like, I've just, like, we've just fallen in love with it. Um, I've, like, been there a few times over the last year, and, I, yeah, we want more of it. <laughs> and mm-hmm. a little bit done with um, Inner Melbourne, particularly after the pandemic. Yeah. Um, yeah oh, actually, no, enough. though, I will say, um, so, like, so most of my work, I, I'll go out somewhere and shoot stuff um, for a good... Uh, in that two-year period 2020 and 2021 we probably spent at least half of that in lockdown Mm -hmm. what that did do was it got me it was an interesting like kind of creative milestone and that because i couldn't go anywhere and shoot anything it got me thinking about other things and Mm -hmm. finding other material so i've got there's a few pieces in, in the series now that are just made out of things that i found in my neighbor's front yard um then like and like playing with other less, and making things with other like flowers and leaves that are not necessarily native to Australia, um, and yeah, that was an interesting creative exercise, like trying to keep the keep the game going, without without like some of those tools that I, – without some of the things that I'd relied upon up to that point. Um, well,
0: I think it like it was it was awful and horrible and hard and so many, so many words. But the the challenges it gave those of us that are creatively minded was something we may not have necessarily got otherwise. Like, you know, it forced a lot of us to look at things differently, look at our backyard, look at our, our rooms, you know, and, and try and make something from that if that's what you wanted to do. And I think... It was a. It's a. It was an incredible experience for a lot of people, and I've spoken to a lot of people who have said they are in a place now artistically that they may not have been without having to be forced into the situation of you know COVID and lockdown and all those sorts of things.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Like and that like and that, that kind of. Well, it forces a certain kind of creative response. It forces you to get creative about. About your situation, um, yeah, like yeah, for better or worse, it, yeah, think, yeah, it's had all, like strong impact on the creative industries. That's uh yeah, and we're, we're going to be feel, like we're feeling that, yeah, even now it's yeah. it's uh, well, I mean, in, in in a whole bunch of ways, not least of which, so many more people are working from home now.
0: Yes, um, yeah, true. I, I'm curious. Let's, and this is something I really ask of everyone, but it's just a different variant on on the same sort of thing, I guess, is someone's listened to this, they've, they've looked at your work and they've gone, you know what, I really want to give digital work a try. I've never done anything much beyond snapping photos on my phone or anything like that. Like what sort of suggestions could you say to somebody who would, they'd like to try it, but they just don't know where to start?
1: Um, Hmm. I guess. Well, I guess it depends on what kind of digital art you want to get into. Um, There are. Well, let's let's say
0: let's say photo manipulation. Now they may not necessarily end up with a fifteen hundred layer piece of extraordinary artwork like you, but especially not to begin with. But (laughs) you know, there's nothing wrong with a handful of layers and getting somewhere.
1: Yeah. Well, so I guess. Well, I would suggest the first thing is to really explore like basics of photography. Um, so much of what I've learned about like photo manipulation and uh, is understanding images as photographs. Um, and also, you got to if you want to photo manipulate things, um, or if you want to get into photo manipulation, you need photos to play with. So, I would suggest just getting a cheap camera, do not get an expensive camera there is a, a rule um, that you'll hear um, your first camera, you'll always destroy your first camera because you're going to learn, you're going to learn things on it. You're going to take it places where it shouldn't go. Like for example, a beach, um, which <laughs> like, like the sand in the air is just going to ruin your lens yeah. and things like that. Um, but just play, I think is pl- play is the most important part of it and learn and uh, like, and, like uh, adobe has um, particularly if you're a student getting Photoshop's quite easy now but and even if you're not there are uh cheap like there are there's um a like a an entry-level version that's called photoshop elements that's basically like the core parts of photoshop um without any without a lot some of them the higher end and fancier parts because that's really all you need i generally don't use a lot of a lot of those the higher end parts of um of photoshop um yeah, and, like, there's tons of tutorials. Like, so most of my work <laughs> when I was mucking around at uni, like, is, yeah, like, it was just me doing tu- uh, tutorials I found in magazines and, and online and playing with things. It was often um, because I was quite young, like, doing things. that think, like, had, it featured me actually in the photo, um, cool. which you often see a lot of, like, um, young uh, young artists do. Um yeah. It's just, yeah, just start giving yourself that freedom to play and find what might work for you. I would suggest, like, I'm pretty, I'm almost ex- entirely self taught. Um, a lot of these kinds of skill sets you don't see really well, don't really get taught at uni, although uni can be like a good playground, or like a sandpit to play and to develop skills. Um, yeah. Yeah, I would just I yeah, it's just yeah, you have to just get out there and play.
0: Have you ever ever thought about doing tutorials yourself, like offering tutorials yourself?
1: I have I I yes, yep, I and yeah, I've written I've written them and um done some teaching as well, like I do ah, okay. a couple of to- a couple of times a year I do workshops. Um like I particularly enjoy I particularly enjoy teaching kids. Um uh so like i've I've taught done teaching at like the primary school level and and the high school level um and a bit at like and and workshops for 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 older kids too uh all ages (laughs) um but like particularly like um like my favorite class i've ever taught was um a a group of 10 to 12 year olds because they don't have they have, like, because their brains are like sponges and they're able to pick up the technology pretty quickly.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: they also don't have the, as we get older, particularly as teenagers, we start caring about what people think a lot of the time. <laughs> um, yep. And we, we, we have this idea, we start developing this idea in our head about what, like, how, what, like, things being, caring about things, how things are good and, um, building these preconceptions at a younger age, kids don't have that. So they're just like off the charts, creative making these, making amazing things. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just like, it's pretty inspiring. Like it's, it's inspiring to watch. Um, mm. I love it. It's a, uh, yeah, it's kind of invigorating.
0: <laughs> it's a shame we can't keep that in, as adults.
1: <laughs> well, I guess that's, that's kind of part of the the trick. trick as a creative as you get older is to try and un hold on to that or, yeah, or maybe even manufacture that um, a bit, that enthusiasm.
0: So to wrap up then, um, where where is the best place for people to find you online?
1: Uh, my main platform is my Instagram, at Josh mm-hmm. uh, Um D-Y-K-G-R-A-A-F. I also have a website too um, with all my stuff on there and a print store and things like that. Um, yeah. But, yeah, generally the best way to reach me is my Instagram.
0: Cool. That's a, Yeah. Thank you, Josh, so much for taking time out. Um, I really, really appreciate it. This has been a fun little conversation.
1: Oh, thank you. and um, Yeah, thank you for having me. Thank you. Yeah, it's been – yeah, thank you for <laughs> – I'm glad to hear that you like my work enough to, to feature on your podcast.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. If we were to provide you with some PayPal details or perhaps buy me a coffee details, would you be interested in making a one-off payment to support us? In return, you'd be helping to keep the podcast going and would also get access to our bonus episodes. Let me know what you think via kim at com or via Instagram.